Good morning, fellow explorers. It's me, Siren Murr, here hanging out with you on Sunday, June 11th. I am live from my pod closet where we record all of our episodes of Siren Soapbox and this week's positivity pop-up and every week's positivity pop-up. Thank you for spending your time with us. We're going to dive right into a few stories to hopefully bring a smile to your face on this Sunday. So Sunday, June 11th is, amongst other things, National Corn on the Cob Day. We'll get back to that later. It's National German Chocolate Cake Day. Um, Yes, celebrate that. And National Making Life Beautiful Day. (laughs) Making Life Beautiful Day is a made-up holiday. Thank you to A Priori Beauty for making that happen back in 2015. So now every June 11th, we celebrate National Beauty Day. And it's a day dedicated to all of the beautiful things in life. So they have a couple ideas for you to celebrate. You can watch a beautiful movie. That might be something with the word beautiful in the title or something that has some beautiful picturesque scenes. You could sit, reflect, appreciate, just take a quiet moment to think about the people in your life who in your life who make you feel beautiful or who are beautiful people for the things that they're doing for you or the community or the greater world. And they say you can immerse yourself into some beauty, um, whether that's listening to some music that you find beautiful, going on a hike. Hey, maybe it's tuning into the positivity pop-up. That's what we're doing, trying to bring some beautiful happiness into our lives. Each week, we hopefully help remind you that that there is hope for humanity with these stories that we share. So with that in mind, let's dive right in. Our first story comes to us from Midland, Texas. There In Midland, Texas, there's a woman named Teresa Ramirez. She is 61 years old, and she was supposed to graduate from high school in 1980. This is what she says. I was in high school, and it was my last semester, and I was just going through a lot of things. I was working and struggling, so I just dropped out. I always wanted to graduate, but things just didn't go that way. But Ramirez never gave up on that goal. She never gave up on her desire to be a high school graduate. So this year, 43 years after she had after she had to quit high school, she made that dream come true. She worked hard, she earned her diploma, and she got to graduate alongside of her grandson. <laughs> she also has this to say. It means a whole lot because I know my mom and dad wanted me to graduate. You know, family of eight, they wanted all of their children to graduate and for myself as well. I just felt like I accomplished a lot. I got my diploma and it's just awesome. It's a great feeling. So thank you, Teresa, for that reminder that it's never too late to work on and achieve your goals. 
congratulations to you. And I, uh, I just love that story. Thank you so much. Our next story is, um, it comes from us, comes to us from Buffalo. Some of you may remember that in J on January 2nd, here in Cincinnati, the Bengals versus the Buffaloes, um, it was a crazy game that lasted about 10 minutes before Damar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest on the field at Paul Brown Stadium, Paycor Stadium, sorry, it's Paycor Stadium. Um, he, they did CPR in him for like nine minutes. They transferred him to UC Medical Center where a team of doctors and nurses worked really hard. The man had made a full recovery and has even been cleared to play football again, which is just, just blows my mind. Um, but that's awesome. He, uh, Damar Hamlin though, he has, ever since that incident, he has not stopped trying to raise awareness about the um, the real scares of cardiac arrest in athletes. And he just wants to continue educating people. And on top of that, he is now launching a CPR tour. So he's going to start in Buffalo. He's also making stops in Pittsburgh, which is his hometown, and here in Cincinnati, where he did, where he suffered the cardiac arrest event. According to ESPN, Hamlin had this to say, quote, the Chasing M's Foundation will be giving AEDs to sports and community groups for kids to be safe while they are chasing their dreams. And this program is very important because it gives life-saving care to kids in their own communities and on their fields. So that is such a great thing that he's doing. Um, personally, I think that CPR is something that every capable person should know. I'm a rescue diver and a dive master. And in order to keep those certifications, I have to maintain an emergency first responder certification. So that means every two years I go to class, I relearn CPR, I learn how to use an AED, I learn basic wound care. And that's something that you can very easily learn as well. Um, just maybe get in touch with American Red Cross, take a training course, you could really save someone else's life. And if you are at all interested in how um, CPR became a thing, I highly recommend that you check out the latest episode of Criminal. It was just released on Friday, June 9th. The episode is called The Paramedics. I'm sure that we can all appreciate that there was a time when we didn't have um, people other than, so it was like believed that you had to be some super genius or um, some elite person to know and understand the body and medicine enough to help save someone's life. So there was a time when people would have a heart attack at home and they would just be thrown in the back of a cop car and taken to a hospital. And that all that time, for me, it would take 15 minutes to get to, to the closest hospital to me. So imagine suffering, suffering a heart attack, being thrown in the back of a car, and for 15 minutes, 
nothing, receiving no kind of aid at all. That was a thing. And until Dr. Peter Safar, he proved to, they started in Pittsburgh, but they, he proved to people that anybody can administer life-saving CPR and and first aid outside of a hospital. And it was a really amazing story. Phoebe Judge got to interview a man who was part of one of the very first paramedics teams in, in America. And it was a really cool story. I highly recommend you spend the 50 minutes listening to it. Um, it was just a very interesting thing to hear. All right, our next story is all about gratitude. So gratitude is something I practice pretty regularly. It makes me feel better. It makes me feel happier. It helps my depression to subside a little bit. And guess what, folks? Science agrees with me now. <laughs> so two decades ago, a psychologist by the name of Robert E. Emmons he wanted to understand how people might benefit from gratitude. And that's a question that scientists had rarely explored until then. Dr. Emmons' findings suggested that gratitude may improve psychological well-being, and it inspired just a myriad of additional research. To date, numerous studies have found that having a grateful outlook, quote, counting one's blessings, and expressing gratitude to others, they have a positive effect on our emotional health as well as on the interpersonal and on our interpersonal and romantic relationships. So, in addition to that, some studies show that grati gratitude can benefit physical health as well. Dr. Emmons has this to say. Gratitude heals, energizes, and changes lives. It is the prism through which we view life in terms of gifts, givers, goodness, and grace. Well, how does it help? Many studies will have participants do things like write down things that they're grateful for or even go out and perform like random acts of kindness. And what they've found is that the you know the the results of those types of studies suggest that performing these types of activities provides some mental health benefits like reducing symptoms of depression and anxiety and increasing self-esteem and improving satisfaction with daily life offering sentiments of gratitude to like coworkers friends romantic partners that can give those relationships a healthy connection boost Research even suggests that if you are a witness to some sort of act of kindness or an act of gratitude or an expression of gratitude, that that can have an, a positive effect on, on the witness's mental health. So this is really cool findings. Dr. Emmons also says, quote, what impresses me are the objective, biological, verifiable outcomes that go beyond self-report measures. For example, Gratitude has also been associated with lower blood pressure and in one pilot study, higher levels of heart rate variability, which is a marker of well-being. And guess what? It only takes you expressing gratitude one time per day 
to reap these benefits. So it's not even something that you have to be mindful of constantly, although I find myself it's it's a subconscious thing now. I, I may I did have to work on it in the beginning, but now it's pretty easy to think back on my day and decide, you know, I'm pretty grateful this happened, or even in the moment, being grateful that certain things happen. Um, I have some ideas for you, some things that you can do to practice gratitude. You could write down on a slip of paper at the end of the day something that happened that you're grateful for. Put it in a in a box or a jar. And if you're ever feeling sad, you could just open that up and pull something out at random. Remind yourself that life isn't all bad. You could set a daily alarm on your cell phone. um, And then when the alarm goes off, just jot down a few things, one, two, three things in a notebook or a journal that you're grateful for. If you don't physically writing something isn't for you, every smartphone has some sort of note app. You could keep a note on your phone. And you can also show your partner some appreciations, but you got to make them stick. So just imagine the scenario. Um, Thank you, Mark. And then he's like, oh, you're welcome. But what what are you thanking me for? Or I could say something like, Mark, I really appreciate when you make dinner for me because it makes me feel special and loved and like you're taking care of me. Thank you. I really appreciate that. So that, friends, is probably the the thank you that someone would prefer to hear. That's what we call Velcro um, appreciation. You have to tell somebody what you're appreciative for, why you're appreciative of that, what it makes you feel. And um, when you attach that feeling to the appreciation, it sort of helps it stick. So That's something I learned from a therapist years ago, and I hope it helps you. All right. Our next story comes to us from London, actually. There's an artist in London. Her name is Carolina Merska. She creates these beautiful works of art out of tissue paper and rye straw. They, um, they're called Payanki, but they're spelled P-A-J-A-K-I. I will put a link as always to the story in our description if you want to check this out. And actually, I highly encourage you, if you don't look at all of these articles today, look at this one because the imagery is just stunning. These works of art, Pionki, that's the Polish word for spiders. They're decorative folk mobiles, comparable in shape to like a chandelier. And they are typically hung from ceilings in just the most beautiful webs of rye and rye paper, or I'm sorry, rye straw and tissue paper. They're known for their vivid colors. The colors would include things like magenta, lime, turquoise. Oh, I could imagine one with like some orange and purple, just beautiful. The mobiles were historically used to brighten up homes during dark, the dark winter months in Poland. But the art of making Payanki is all but lost. So Karina, or I'm sorry, Carolina, decided that she was going to make 
she was going to make a pianki after she saw one hanging in a museum when she was just 18 years old. It was tough. Um, her very first one, it was just trial and error. There was no internet. She And there were no reference books. There was nobody teaching this lost art. So she just kind of figured it out. And the first one she tried, she, when she hung it up, it sort of fell in on herself. <laughs> it's very delicate work. It takes some precise, intentional designing to have it hang um, the way it's supposed to, the way it's supposed to. There was lots of trial and error, she said, but she's gotten so good at it that, first of all, her payanki, once she's finished with one, which will take a minimum of six hours, by the way, to create one of these things. When she's finished with one, she can sell it for around 600 euros. What? That's awesome. But she also teaches classes so that this art, it, so that this isn't a dying art any longer. She wants to teach other people how to make pianki so that they can be shared and hung all over the world. Um, she says that her classes are usually a couple of three-hour workshops and a lot of the time is spent just cutting out shapes out of tissue paper or cutting straw to the to the correct lengths. She said it's very meditative it's, and it's not something that can be rushed. It's a very time-consuming process, but it's also a very relaxing sort of meditative process. So she not only um, teaches like in-person classes, but she's also written a book. It's called Making Mobiles, Making Mobiles, Making Mobiles. And it's available from Amazon. So if you're at all interested in that, check it out. Our last story today is about the James Webb Space Telescope. Guess what this puppy did this week? It found the faintest galaxy to date, which means it's probably one of the oldest galaxies. So UCLA astronomer and co-author on this new work, Tommaso Tro. He says, quote, before the Webb telescope switched on just a year ago, we could not even dream of confirming such a faint galaxy. So this galaxy, it's known as JD1. It's part of the first generation of galaxies to pop up in our universe's 13.8 billion year history. So it's around 13.3 billion light years away from us. So that means that we're observing this galaxy as it looked when the universe was only a few hundred million years old or just 4% of its current age. So the early era of, of the universe as we know it, it's known as the epoch of reionization. So that's the time when the stars formed and ushered the universe out of darkness. The telescope, the telescope's powerful infrared instruments were part of the reason that astronomers were able to observe this, this newest galaxy, JD1. But they also used a technique called gravitational lensing. So that with gravitational lensing, light from a distant, distant object is bent by the gravity of something huge in the foreground, like a cluster of galaxies. So this acts like a magnifying glass, making faraway objects appear bigger and brighter. 
And in the case of the of JD1, it makes them possible a spot. Tro says the combination of JWST, that's the James Webb Space Telescope, the combination of JWST and the magnifying power of gravitational lensing is a revolution, he says. We are rewriting the book on how galaxies formed and evolved in the immediate aftermath of the Big Bang. So that is really cool. I I know that uh, Mark gets really excited every time the James Webb has some really cool new images. And so, Mark, that story's for you, bud. I I have been very impressed also <laughs> by things that James Webb's the James Webb Telescope has been able to pick up. So. Um, I'm just really excited about what the advancements that are being made and maybe how much quicker we're going to be able to access images of, you know, the vast outer space. So that's pretty awesome. At the very beginning of this show, I promised you, I promised you, my listeners, that we would return to National Court on the Cobb Day. So... My partner's son is having braces put on his teeth on, I think he said the 19th. So we're, we're counting down the days, peeps. So his mom is going to make him some corn on the cob today to celebrate National Corn on the Cob Day. But for me, <laughs> I got some jokes. I bet you didn't know that was coming. So what is corn oil used for to stop corn from squeaking <laughs> what do you tell Mays after it graduates from high school corn gratulations duh <laughs> what did the corn say when he received a compliment ah oh, shucks <laughs> Um, how much does a pirate pay for corn? A buccaneer. <laughs> now, this is my last corny joke. <laughs> how is an ear of corn like an army? They both have lots of kernels. <laughs> and some fun facts for you about our beloved food. The average ear of corn has 800 kernels in 16 rows. And here's another uh, fact about the rows of kernels. Corn cobs always have an even number of rows. Corn, or I'm sorry, only 1% of corn planted in the United States is sweet corn. That's interesting. An acre of corn eliminates eight tons of carbon dioxide from the air. Wow, that's amazing. That's really, we need to grow more corn to clean up this planet. Oh, here's an interesting fact. An ear of corn has one silk strand for every kernel. Fascinating. And more than 90 million acres on earth are dedicated to producing corn. This link has so many more corn facts, but I'm going to leave you there. Oh, well, except for this one last one. 
While many consider corn a vegetable, it's actually both a grain and a fruit. Huh, how about that? Well, friends, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for spending your time with us this morning. And we have to catch you next week when we're live again with our positivity pop-up. Um, also, we are doing a fun mystery episode on Siren Soapbox this week, so check us out on Friday. If you do listen to Siren Soapbox and you're wondering where our episode is, that is on me. It's been it, this episode we are releasing our um, – we played a murder mystery game on Monday night, and we're releasing that that playing of that game, and it's been a little difficult to edit, but – I'm hoping to get it out by the end of the day today, June 11th, so please stay tuned. And until next time, dive in, stay curious, and be happy.